Okay, I'd like to share with you a thought with regards to Pesach, but it begins before the story of Pesach in the Torah. It begins at the very beginning of it all with the birth of Moshe. It's here in source number one in the Pasuk at the beginning of Perek Bet of Shemot. It says, Pasuk, it's a well-known Pasuk. Vatar ha'isha vateled ben, vatere oto kitobu, vatispeneu shelosha yerachim. It's a description of the mother of Moshe, of course, Yocheved. She has a child, or she becomes impregnated with a child. She gives birth to the child, and she sees about this child, who of course we know is later named Moshe, Kitobhu. He is Tob. And that word Tob in the Torah has a, uh, a storied history. It's the word that we have throughout the six days of creation of God seeing Kitob. Now the word Tob, generally speaking, when we refer to it in today's day and age, we refer to it as good. Even in the Torah, sometimes it's good. Generally speaking, throughout creation, though, it means complete. At the end of each one of the days, God is Vayar Elohim Kitob. Tob means complete in those contexts, as opposed to some sort of subjective decision of it being good. Now the Hachamim picking up on this description, the Pasuk, which is unnecessary, that she sees the child and he is complete, has several different interpretations. One of the well-known interpretations in the Gemara in Masechet Sota and Dafyot Bet, there's a, you could have downloaded Gemara Sota for this, right? The Gemara has several interpretations. One interpretation is that Moshe was Nolad Mahu, he was born with a circumcision. And of course, that would be Tob. That would be, he's complete. He's uh, born, so to speak, without the blemish, quote unquote, of humanity that we need to, so to speak, fix with our Milah. He's born with the Milah. He has that inborn, complete sta state in nature, which has a lot to say about the story of Yisiyah Misraim, as I've mentioned on more than one occasion. Yisiyah Misraim, after this, really begins, this is the beginning of the beginning, but it begins to move when Moshe makes his way into Egypt. He makes his way into Egypt from Midian, and he stops, and what happens? God wants to kill him or kill his child, and as a result, his wife, Sipora realizes the situation, reads it appropriately, and gives a milah to the child of Moshe. It means the story of, you got it, it means the story of Yisiyam Sam begins with Berit Milah, as Moshe is on his way into Egypt, begins with Berit Milah, and it ends with Berit Milah. Uh, when you read the Pesukim later on, it's with regards to Korban Pesach. If you're uncircumcised, you can't eat from Korban Pesach. And then the blood that's smeared on top of the doors, Rashi quotes from Pirkei Derbili Ezer, is not only the blood of the Korban Pesach, but it's blood of circumcision as well. Generally speaking, when we envision, at least when I envision Yisya Mitzrayim, I understand it as the establishment of this covenant of this Berit with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, which is symbolized through Berit Milah all the way back to Abraham. So to describe Moshe as being circumcised from the beginning, he's Tob, makes a lot of sense. He's going to be the Redeemer, he's going to be the one who has that inborn Berit. But there's another interpretation in the Gemara. There's more than one, but one that I want to focus on, it's the one Rashi quotes in his commentary right here to Shemot Perik Bet. Hachamim Omrim, the Gemara says in Sota Dafyot Bet, Nolad Moshe, Nitmaleh Kulo Or. As Moshe is born, the house is filled with or with light. Ketiv on the one hand, Pasuk says, Vatere oto kitobhu. And the Pasuk says as well in Bereshit Pereka, with the very onset, Vayar Elohim or kitob. The kitob, that complete state of nature, is the same in creation as it is now here with the birth of Moshe. If you're to think about it in the literal sense, it means the house is filled with light. 
from the birth of Moshe. There's a real significance in my mind, my mind to describing the birth of Moshe as the birth of complete light, of that light in the home. Because the Hachamim, the rabbis, in interpreting this kitob of light, have an interesting, almost mysterious description. Uh, you may have heard of this beforehand. Uh, the rabbis refer to this hidden light, this or haganuz. Uh, what are they referring to in that context? First textually, the pasuk describes, again, on first day of creation, how God creates light. It's complete. And then the pasuk says, He separates between light and darkness, which again, uh, let's reconstruct the scene in the physical sense. So there's the construction of light, that's complete, and only then does God separate between darkness and light. What was complete? What's that state of completeness? It's when you have light and darkness, so to speak, combined with one another. There's no separation. That's enigmatic, that's mysterious, that's hard to understand. That's what the rabbis refer to as or haganuz. That's the hidden light which, so to speak, we don't have access to in life. It's what Rashi writes, he's quoting from a Gemara, Masechet Hagiga, here in source number four. He says, He saw that the wicked nature of humanity is inappropriate to deal with this supreme, this supernal, uh, pristine light. God separates that light for the righteous ones in the future. Which means to say, if you're piecing it together with me, very basic beginning steps over here goes as follows. The description of that light in the home of the parents of Moshe with his birth reckons back to the supreme light. How do we envision this supreme light? It's a light that we as human beings can't really deal with. Why can't we deal with it? It's not appropriate for human beings. It's, so to speak, the light of divinity. It's the light of truth. It's that light which is somewhat elusive in our lives. It's the light which, as human beings, it's touching on moments of absolute truth. That's the birth of Moshe. Uh, if we're following along, it means the beginning of our redemption from Egypt begins with, its initial stages are, the appearance of the light which precedes and begins creation, which is being felt through Moshe. Uh, what does that mean for us? I'd suggest it means the following. I'm trying to find some meaning in the description. It's not just that there's light in the home. It's not just some sort of scene in which we think about creation. There's something deeper that's going on over here. There's something specific that I think is, is at play in the eyes of the rabbis in this context. So it goes as follows. At the very beginning of the Torah as well, we start with this word, Bereshit. This word, Bereshit, is a difficult word to translate because Bereshit means in the beginning of. So the first pasuk goes, Bereshit bara in the beginning of, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning of what? Says Rashi, I have an interpretation to this. He quotes from a Midrash. He says the word Bereshit, instead of reading it in the beginning of, read it as for the beginning, Bishvil Reshit. What's the beginning? Says Rashi, it's for the Torah. That's Reshit. The pasuk describes the Torah as being Reshit Darko. Alternatively, Reshit, the beginning is Yisrael which means to say that creation in its initial form is one in which we envision, we realize, God brings forth existence with a goal in mind. Imagine <coughs> building a business, imagine setting up the office, imagine building a home with something in mind. So I built the house 
and I have something in mind. I want there to be inhabitants. I want there to be a family in there. I want it to turn into a home from a house. I want the business to have some sort of vision, some sort of direction. I don't just want people and computers and desks. I want something that's driving it. That's Bishvil Reshit. That means that this whole physical existence, anything and everything that we're involved with, is there for Yisrael. Well, bring it back to Moshe, and you might have somewhat of a direction over here. It means as Moshe is coming to growth, as Moshe is being born, as Am Yisrael is coming to fruition, we're now reckoning back to the very beginning of it because now we're seeing it actualized. Now we're actually experiencing, well, this is what it was all for. Now the house is becoming a home. Now the business is operating and it's fulfilling its mission. Uh, Nitziv. Why when I say that with Avraham, Avraham is really the very, very beginning. There's no national direction with Avraham. Avraham is a spark. It only crystallizes. The Berit begins with Avraham. So I look at Avraham and I say he's the spark. But, but, but when it's actually a, grease, a, a well-greased system, it's a, it's a machine which is actually working. That's the Moshe. You're right. Abraham is not... You'll see as I, as I, in a moment or two, there are similarities, at least with regards to what I'm going Abraham to set forth, between Abraham and Moshe. What's that? Abraham doesn't have Oregonus. Maybe he has something along those lines, right? But that's, that's what Jeffrey's asking. Why doesn't he have the Oregonus? If this is about actualizing and it begins with Abraham, he should have Orhaganus as well. Nitziv, in his, in his introduction to the Torah, points out, as a matter of fact, that, uh, that Bahag, one of the Kadmonim, has uh, different names for each one of the books of the Torah. So, for example, he calls Bereshit, Bereshit. All right, that's easy enough. He calls Vayikra, Sefer Kohanim, it's the book of the priests. It calls Bemidbar Humash Pikudim, the book of numbers, like we would in English, maybe. It calls Devarim Mishneh Torah. Mishneh means to repeat, so it's the repetition of the Torah by Moshe. What's the name of the second book? Well, we call it Shemot. What does Bahag refer to it as? Humash Sheni. Chalas. It's the second Humash. Says Nitziv, I'll tell you why. Because Shemot is really just actualizing Bereshit. So you have Bereshit 1.0 and you have Bereshit 2.0 in Shemot, which means again, Shemot begins the actualization of what was set into place in Bereshit. As a result, we have the reappearance of Or Haganus by Moshe. As a result, we're going to then have to pay attention to what it means to actualize creation. Uh, just to bring this one more step forward with regards to this actualization before understanding it on a greater depth, uh, just a few days ago I pointed out the following parallel. you find it in source number seven. As we uh, head through Yamsuf, as we really step forward into national creation, if you pay careful attention to the Pesukim, there are major and trenchant parallels to creation story. So for example, example, if you take a look on the left-hand side, this is Shemot Perek Yodale, that's Parashat Beshalach. The Pasuk describes how Moshe raises his hand and he outstretches his arm and there's a Ruach Kadim Azah Kol Halayla. There's this eastward wind, which of course is going to separate waters, but which is, so to speak, hovering above the water at the beginning of Kiryat Yamsuf. 
Does that sound reminiscent of something? Does it remind you of something? The very beginning of the Torah is Tohu Vavohu Veruah Elohim Merachefet Al In fact, Rashbam in his commentary to the Torah right there at the very beginning in Pasuk Bet points out, he says, why do you need this Ruach Elohim, this wind and spirit of God hovering above the water? What's the description? He says it's for what takes place in Pasuk Tet. Pasuk Tet is when God separates between the upper and lower waters with the creation of the firmament, of course, right? Uh, with a smile. But I mean, it's, uh, that's, uh, says Rashbam, you know where else you find this Ruach Elohim, this Ruach Aza Kadim, that's at Kiryat Yamsuf. Says Rashbam, that's what's taking place. We have over here, in, in our words, you have a recreation. You have a creation 2.0. Furthermore, the Pesukim described day one is the construction of light and then the separation of light and darkness. And if you take a look at the Pesukim as Am Yisrael are walking through Yamsuf, as Am Yisrael walk through Yamsuf, there's hard to understand Pesukim in which the Anan, which was preceding Am Yisrael, that cloud which was in front of them, goes behind them. And then the Pasuk says, in a mysterious way, There's darkness. And something's lighting up the night. Is there light or is there darkness? Says Rashi, I'll tell you what it worked like, what it looked like. There was light for Am Yisrael. They had this pillar of fire in front of them. Behind them, there's the Anan. There's darkness for the Egyptians. That's day two of creation. There's the construction of light and there's the separation between darkness and light. So we had day one of creation, so to speak, or preceding day one, excuse me, that's day one of creation, the light. Yeah, preceding day one, you have the Ruach uh, Azad, the, the Ruach Kadim, the eastern wind above the water, which of course is going to separate the water. On day two of creation, you have separation between upper and lower waters. At Kiryat Yamsuf, you have separation between waters as well. On day four of creation, you have a Yabasha, you have a dry land in which human beings can now inhabit and animals can. And of course, which means to say, you need not look too far in the description of Kiryat Yamsuf to notice the Torah is particularly and purposefully paralleling this story to the creation story. I bring it again, full circle, to Moshe. Moshe is born. There's the Or Haganuz. There's that Kitob, that light of creation, is finally being realized, not by the Sadiqim, quote-unquote, Le'atid Lavo, but right here in the present. Moshe is embodying. Moshe is bringing forth that light, which is the ideal, which is the purpose, which is the actualization of creation. If you take a few more moments together with me to understand what is it to actualize that Or Haganus? How is it that Moshe, so to speak, brings forth that light and utilizes it? Well, pay attention to the first mature actions of Moshe. In Shemot Perek Bet and Pasuk Yod Alf through Pasuk Yod Alad, Pasuk describes Moshe, Vayhi, Vayyamim Ahem, Vayigdal Moshe, Vayyese Lehav, Vayyar Besivlotam, Vayar ish misri make ish ivri me'ehav. Says the Pasuk, Moshe goes out, finally, and he sees the suffering of his people. And he sees an Egyptian striking an ivri. Uh, and on the next day that the Torah describes, he sees two ivrim who are fighting with one another. Moshe, the Or Haganuz individual, the one who brings that light, sees. He has the ability to notice, to pay attention. 
he actualizes creation. Creation is not just about being dormant. It's not just about building the home, constructing the office. It's about then realizing and tapping into the potential that lays latent in it. It's the description of Moshe later on, the next mature action of Moshe, because Moshe then discovers God. How does he discover God in source number nine? Basuk describes how Moshe not just encounters God, but he sees something. And it doesn't just say that he sees it and happens upon it. Moshe says, let me go off the path to see that great sight. It's all about vision here. God sees that he strayed to see. And in turn, God turns to Moshe and says to him, I've seen the suffering of your people. And in turn, I'm paying attention to them. It's almost as if what happens over here in this actualization of creation is human beings through Moshe begin to capitalize on the potential that lays latent in this world. We tap into that Or Haganos and instead of just seeing it from afar, we use, so to speak, that light to notice others, to find God, to understand ourselves. That's the story of Yisiyat Misraim. It, of course, comes to its greatest fruition as we're leaving Misraim, as we're walking through Yamsuf. It's the critical words, the critical pasuk in Kiryat Yamsuf in Shirat Ayam. Vayar Yisrael et Misraim. Am Yisrael see the great hand of God over the Egyptians. They didn't see it in Egypt. They feel it now. They see it now as they're walking through Yamsuf. It's the capitalizing, the actualizing of the potential that lays dormant within them. It's the opportunity, it's the responsibility that we all have. That's what Shemot is about. That's what Yisiat Misraim is about. It's about realizing the opportunities and the potentials that we have. It's about understanding that Or HaGanus, seeking it out and finding it in existence, paying attention to other people, paying attention to nature, finding God within anything and everything that we encounter. It begins with Moshe and it then channels through to Am Yisrael. It brings its state to the highest, to its apex in the Torah after the reception of the Luchot. Because the Pesukim described in Parashat Kitisa after Heta Egel, as Moshe gets the second Luchot, Moshe turns to God in very mysterious Pesukim, but maybe now we'll have a perspective before I even read them. Jeffrey, to your point about Abraham, the words that I love in the life of Abraham are his sight. Abraham has this way of noticing as well, so to speak, tapping into that Or Haganuz. I don't know that we have the Kitob, but I do know we have the nascent beginnings of the ability to see, the ability to actualize, to see the potential. There were people walking around in the days of Abraham who no one was paying attention to. There was a God presence who no one noticed. It's Abraham who taps into it. It's Moshe now who brings it to its highest. The Pesukim then describe after the reception of the second Luchot, Moshe turns to God and says to him, Vayomar, 
Har'eni na et kevodecha. Now there's a particular contrast here, because in source number nine, in the first encounter with God, the Pasuk says that Moshe covers his eyes because he's scared to see God. Now, after the second Luchot, Moshe turns to God and he says, show me your glory. I want to see it. God says to him, come on, you're not able to see it. If you see it, you'll die. Says God to Moshe, but I'll tell you what you can see. I'll cover my face and you'll see my back, but my face you won't be able to see. That's the state of being during which Moshe is literally looking forward. He can't see it all, nobody can see it all, but it's where the Or Haganus has fully actualized. It's where Moshe has noticed people, he's found God, he's now begging God to see more, to realize more, to tap into the absolute potential, and as a result of that encounter, the Pesukim afterwards, at the end of Parashat Kitisad, describe how Moshe descends, he comes down from the mountain, and the people can't look at Moshe. Why can't they look at Moshe? Kikaran because the face, his face has a karan or there's a beaming radiant light coming emanating from his face. As a result, he has to cover his own face much like God did to Moshe, which means to say as we play that role of, so to speak, God, when we tap into the Vayar Elohim Kitob, when we live our lives as seeking out, searching, finding that light, and then beaming it to others, when we search for God and we notice God, we, so to speak, become a piece of God. We become that Isha Elohim as Moshe was. We're, so to speak, the beings who no one can look at because <coughs> we are so radiant in terms of our own light. The story of Yisiyat Misraim then, the story of the birth of Moshe and the ascension of Moshe, the story of Am Yisrael leaving Egypt and finding and seeing God is a lesson in terms of our own lives on so many levels. But in its most basic and fundamental level, it's one in which we envision and realize our lives as having so much potential, so much spiritual potential, the opportunity to find goodness to tap into and realize godliness in all and everything that we encounter. That's the beginning of it all. It's the Moshe Kitob. He is Tob, say the rabbis, the Or Haganuz is shining forth. Isn't that in a literal sense? Mabarif. What I can tell you is what it's teaching and stating to us is that's who Moshe was. That's who the Torah envisions us all becoming. Baruch Adonai Amen. Amen. Amen.